Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 83120. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. On today's Movie Talk, we're covering Lego possibly moving over to a new studio. We're getting a lot more Doctor Sleep. There's a three-hour director's cut on the way and some new trailers, including this one here, Downhill. Happy Friday, everyone. It feels like a double dose of Friday right now because not only is the weekend upon us right now, but we also have the holidays right around the corner. So I don't know. I feel like I'm in party mode. Jeff, you clearly are. I'm I'm ready to party. I got my, you know what they call this? I'm I'm nervous to hear the answer to this. A yama clause. Like a yamaka, yamaklaz. Is that seriously a thing, or did you just make that up? No, that is. What, I'll show I've you the tag never, on the inside. I've never heard that before. It's do you decorate a Hanukkah bush? Because uh, I do. No, no. <laughs> You're missing out. It's good fun. How you doing, Drew? Good. You Thanks dressed the part me. today. I did. I'm I'm ready for Star Wars, Star Day. Wars and. You know, this movie movie talk, that's what I'm all about, you know? We do have another uh, live movie talk for you on Monday, so we're not leaving you just yet. But on top of that Monday live show, we also have a very special end-of-the-year episode that we're going to release next week, and we're also, New Year's Day, going to have a 2020 preview. So you got a lot more content from Movie Talk and all of the Collider shows coming your way, even during the holidays. All right. Let's get into the first topic today, which is this Lego situation. According to THR, Universal is in talks with Lego for an exclusive partnership. You guys might know the previous Lego movies were released by Warner Brothers, but their deal expired this fall. So Lego is looking for a new home. And according to this report, a bunch of studios were trying to strike a deal with Lego. But it seems like Universal is the one leading the pack. Maybe it'll land there. I am curious with this move, though, because we know that the first Lego movie came out and did super well, but then it kind of fell and then fell and then fell from there. Do you think that switching studios could be the key to kind of breathing more box office life into this franchise? I I don't know. I mean, the key should be probably not releasing two Lego movies a year like they did with Batman and uh, Ninjago, but... I don't know. I mean, there was a little bit more time in between those and, and this year's Lego movie, too. I mean, that movie came out earlier this year. Does anyone even remember it coming out? I never even saw it. Oh, my God. I fear it's it, good. And, and admittedly, so it was Lego Movie 2, Alita, which I did circle back to watch. I still have to watch Fighting With My Family. But those were all the screenings that got, you know, kind of sucked up in the Sundance craze. So that's why I miss it. It wasn't for lack of interest. It's pretty good. Did you see it? 
everything's not awesome in Legoland. No, <laughs> we I, uh, were waiting for I, that one. I never saw a Lego movie. Really? I never Even saw the original one. Nope, never saw a single one. And that is the problem with this franchise. Is I know there will be plenty of people our age who say, "Oh, Lego movie's so great, you got to see it." This franchise does not appeal to adults at all. Okay, I mean, I'll I'll go see a Toy Story five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But this does not get me to the theater. This is for kids. And so they have to find a way, either, you know, I, I don't think that the, the changing the studio matters. I don't think that people care about what what logo comes up before the movie. Like, I just think that Lego has a ceiling. And unless that they figure out a way to make it more adult, like into the Spider-Verse and appeal to adults a little bit more, you're not going to see the results change. Even though Lego, I believe since 2015, it's the world's largest toy company by revenue. Even that doesn't kind of push it over as far as attracting, you know, more than just kids. Because there are many adults out there who still buy Legos. And oh, I am well aware. I think most of them follow me on Twitter. Um, I, don't know, I just, I mean. I've but, put together a Lego pretty recently. Well, where I, was it? I, uh, I actually, uh, Thad came over and we videoed it. You can find it on my channel. We did a Lego race and we each built uh, an ATAT. Oh, wow. It was fun. Yeah. Listen, I'm not saying Legos aren't cool. I love playing with Legos, and, and I can't wait till my niece grows up and I can play Legos with her. But do I want to spend $17 to go see a Lego story? No, and I don't think that most people my age are interested in that. I, I, can't, I will agree with you to some extent. I think what the first movie did that made it really work for me is there's something about the animation that kind of brings back the nostalgia of actually assembling a Lego and breaking it down and building something new out of it. And it had a real human touch to it. I think that was lost a little specifically on Ninjago. But the Batman one did pretty well. And as someone who likes, you know, Batman, that brand, and all the other Warner Brothers characters that they put in that movie, I thought that one was pretty clever and successful obviously can't speak to the second one but i mean one way or the other quality wise you look at these numbers 2014 first movie came out made 468 million worldwide after that in 2017 you had the one-two punch of batman which had 311 million then for ninjago it dropped all the way down to 123 million and then this year's lego movie to the second part only made 191 million dollars worldwide Yikes. It's alarming. Yeah. Especially for an animated movie that costs a pretty penny and takes a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of development issues on the second one, too, which I don't know if that played into anything. I mean, Jeff is suggesting that anything Lego people I mean, just well, here, here's the thing. The Lego movie had an original story for the most part. It didn't rely on, you know, pre-existing characters, mm-hmm. although I think Batman and Superman were in it, right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they still have familiar yeah, characters that make an appearance. Right, but they they weren't driving the story. It was no, an no, original no. story. So so then you you know make a, a Lego Batman movie, and now they're talking at Universal about making a Lego Jurassic movie. So it's like, it, what did we know that? Uh, it, it was in was some. It? It's in oh, some of the coverage. It was not in the. I mean, piece it, that it, I read. It's basically, <gasps> the, the, this is the question. It's like, are you are you creating original stories with Lego characters, or are you just going to have Lego bounce around from studio to studio, and they're going to pipe, you know, p- 
put their best characters and make them into Lego things. So you're going to get, you know, Fast and Furious Lego movie, Jurassic Park Lego movie. And then five years later, they're going to go to Sony and they're going to make a Spider-Man Lego movie. Like, you know, like, is that how this is going to work? I'm sorry, I just can't contain myself over a Jurassic Lego movie Well, they movie did the right series. Now. Yeah, they there's a the show. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I never saw it, but that, that excites me a little bit. But the other thing, and I've been saying this ever since the first Lego movie came out, I still think that if it was over at Warner Brothers, they should have gone not R-rated, but PG-13 and made a Lego, Lego slasher movie with, you know, fake Lego blood and stuff. No? No. Nah, no. I don't see that. <laughs> uh, but, but, like, Lego Jurassic is, is interesting because Jurassic may be a franchise that is deemed a little bit too old for, for younger children mm-hmm. with the scary dinosaurs and stuff. So if you can take that IP and then make it for real young kids, four or five years old, and make a Lego Jurassic thing, you know, that's smart. I mean, I understand why they go that route, because you're essentially uniting really big brands together, assuming that it's going to give you a better shot at the box office. But the thing that I'm wondering most right now is by moving over to Universal, do you lose the look and the feel of what these Lego movies are? Because even if you didn't like the stories, there's no denying that the animation style in these is uh, it's exceptional. Yes, but I mean, it's not like Warner Brothers did that animation. They hired a studio out of well, Australia yeah. called Animal Logic, so Universal could still hire Animal Logic. But that also speaks but they to have the illumination. Point. They so do it's have like illumination. Immediate, well, immediately when I saw this headline, I took what I knew from Lego as it existed, and I kind of like put a, an illumination filter over it, and right. I became a little less interested. But also, I do like illumination. I just don't think it suits this brand. They also have DreamWorks now too. It's you true, know, that's it's part true. of the Universal portfolio. I don't think I like that filter on this either, though. <laughs> but to Jeff's point, like. What makes a a movie a Lego movie? Like, is it just Jurassic World with, like, sort of stylized characters? At least the first Lego movie, they were, they were building things. And I don't know, like, is it just going to be kind of a goofy right. kids is, is movie? It, yeah. Exactly. Is it just that with, where the animation style is just Legos? So like, uh, well, I know the Lego games are very successful with, with those, with that kind of animation. I don't know. It's just... Originally, I would have thought it was a one-and-done idea because I think the way you go about this is you tap into the nostalgia, which they very much did in that first one, but relying on brands doesn't seem like the good approach longevity-wise. And also, as excited as I am about the idea of seeing anything Jurassic on screen, Mm -hmm. I don't understand how you really tap into that with a Jurassic story. I don't think you give me the feeling that I'm building Jurassic Legos through that. I think that's where you lose that kind of touch. Right. I mean, there was an original idea that Warner Brothers was working on that Universal could resurrect called the the Billion Brick Race. That was kind of like an it's a mad, 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 mad world Lego thing. Drew Pierce was co-writing and directing at one point. What was the Lego documentary? I don't. I never saw that there was a Lego documentary. Yeah, like brickumentary yeah. or yes. something. Yeah. I, I feel like I watched some of it and not the full thing, but I, that's what came to mind. When There's you also said like that. a competitive Lego reality show coming out soon that that Lord and Miller are producing. Right. Yeah. That sounds fun because I'm always amazed I like- when I go, you know, to whether it's a festival or these conventions, and you see these incredible mm-hmm. Lego works of art. Like I want to see somebody building that. Right. And how many hours they put into it and, like, you know, having to start over if they mess up or where, right. you know, where's the piece? Right. <laughs> I've got 8,000 million pieces here. It, it would be a really exciting pivot if they took the rights to Lego and went that route instead and kind of shocked us all, even though I have a feeling that this is purposely being bought and arranged for the animation division. I think they should just do, uh, Warner Brothers should have hung on to Lego and just remade all its adult dramas that flopped this, this fall with Legos. <laughs> just Mercy, Motherless Brooklyn, the Lego movie. 
I mean, I guess <laughs> I, would kind of, I would kind of be curious just to see little parodies of that this year. All right, that would be fun. That'd be a fun Oscar thing to do if the Lego people could talk to the Academy and do little parodies of each uh, yeah. best picture. Well, they, they got involved in the Oscars in whatever year that was, where they handed out uh, Oscar Lego statues. Get Michelle Gondry to do it. That's that's what I want to see. Stop motion. <laughs> All right. Well, one can dream. But we're going to move on to something that we know we're going to get in the very near future right now. A Dr. Sleep 4K Blu-ray that's going to include 30 minutes of extra footage. So this movie was already really long. Apparently, they're adding 30 minutes to get to a three-hour runtime, and they're calling it a director's cut. We actually have a whole bunch of exclusive quotes from director Mike Flanagan about what you can expect on this. But I'm just curious, based on surface-level headline alone, you hear you can own a three-hour cut of Dr. Sleep. Does that excite either of you? It puts me to sleep. Are you kidding me right now, Barry? This wow. movie was, ha, had some strong elements, I will admit. I liked Rose the Hat. I liked uh, the, the young girl. But uh, no, I would never in a million years watch a three-hour cut of this already very long, very boring movie. Just because I'm curious now, what parts do you hope that they have more footage of rather than maybe some of the stuff that didn't I work for you? I just want more Rose the Hat. Okay. I mean, that's what everybody wants, right? Like, I, I hope hope it's not more Danny Torrance because that was like the most boring lead character put on film this year. Old Danny or young Danny? Did you like young Danny at least? Mm, he was whatever. All right. Wow. <laughs> Just you might not they, be happy they, with they the rest finally, of this, you know, responded to my hashtag of releasing the Flanagan cut, and that's what I'm excited about, <laughs> you know? It also speaks to how how sort of confident Warner Brothers was in this movie. If they finished the visual effects, they let yeah. him do this at the same time as post-production. So that's the thing that he points out in these quotes. But first of all, I, I saw this headline, and I'm thrilled oh, I did I, mean, I, I did really love the movie quite a bit I sat through it a number of times even at the lengthy runtime right now and as a big fan of the book there's a lot more that I would want to mm-hmm. see in something like this I think the cut that we saw theatrically played very well but I am not going to say no to more but what Flanagan told us you know you already brought up the idea that Warner Brothers let him finish this cut I mean they have finished VFX they did another sound mix additional score was composed they went into this he says that he was in the uh, the post-production process knowing that he was going to have the opportunity to release this cut which made it more it made it easier for him to make difficult decisions as far as what to cut out of the theatrical cut and you know Warner Brothers having that kind of confidence and letting him know about that early on is something special because it's it doesn't necessarily become a oh release the Flanagan cut he made the theatrical cut that he wanted that's what we got and then there's extra footage that he just doesn't want to be left on the cutting room floor never to be seen again. Right. I, I was a big fan of this movie, too. I'm trying to f- think about what was left out of the book that he didn't put in. Do you remember? So, all right, let me get into some of these quotes because he does mention a few things that okay. I wanted more of. So first, first up, just to tee this all up a little... He said, we shot a lot of material for this movie, and I always knew it wouldn't all fit. I was reticent to call this a director's cut at first, as I absolutely love and stand by the cut I made for our theatrical release. But there was stuff I actively decided to remove from that cut that I missed. And I think, and uh, that I think would, uh, sorry, I'm messing up this quote, and that I would think about even weeks after the fact. Moving on to some of the specifics, he teased there are some big new scenes for sure. You're going to get new material throughout the film some of it is brand new but some of it is extended or uh, altered versions of the scenes that we already saw 
they always knew it was too long, but uh, they worked uh, alongside the theatrical cut throughout post, and he made that made it easier for him to cut certain things. Now for the specifics. Some of my favorite stuff involved young Danny and Wendy. There, there's some terrific material with Alex Esso that I'm thrilled is restored here and will be familiar to fans of the book. There's also a fair amount of new stuff involving young Abra in the film's first act, learning about her shine and how it affects her parents. All in all, I think this cut is more literary than the theatrical cut. It very much feels like reading a novel and it is even broken into chapters, which gave this cut a very fun structure. So I am excited to see more Alex Esso because I I thought she was incredible. She was great. As... As Wendy. I, I mean, I can't believe how well she nailed that performance, but specifically the stuff that I'm talking about from the book that I'm, you know, I would have liked to have seen more of in the movie is what he says about Abra with her powers and what the effect of her powers, the effect of her powers on her parents specifically. Mm-hmm. I'm also a big fan of Jocelyn Donahue, who I don't really think gets a lot to do in this movie. So I'm hoping they beef that up a little bit. Where's the guy in the bear costume? That's what I want to know. From The Shining. He's not he's the only ghost that's not there at the end of the movie. Well, yeah. Maybe he. Maybe maybe that'll make an appearance. Doesn't he have one quick shot? I don't think so. I don't think that whole, you know, scenario is in the... the I final. mean, it can't be. I thought that maybe I've just been watching The Shining too recently, and it's like all like motioning into my head right now. I mean, The Shining did not do well in theaters, right? So I wonder if, if Warner Brothers always saw this as more of a home entertainment play... That's why they gave him more leeway to, huh. to do his director's cut and finish it and everything with the VFX and the sound. Uh, I just wonder if they always suspected that this was not going to really take off at the you know in theaters. It's an interesting thought. I'd be surprised by any studio going into a wide theatrical release with a hot property like to legitimately have that mentality. But I don't know. It does kind of make some sense to me. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why nobody saw it in the theater. I can't really put a finger on that either. I. I mean, it's except pretty, for the it's fact that easy. it's pretty easy to it, know. It's after Halloween. I think maybe it was just a, a like a right. like a poor yeah, release that's because true. usually, I mean, I'm not. I'm not one of these, but usually people lose interest in horror material immediately after Halloween. Like, you switch gears. It's like all the uh, the holiday items in stores. Immediately when, when Halloween is over, right. all that stuff, you know, goes in the trash or the storage room, and it's all about Christmas and Thanksgiving. I mean, Doctor Sleep, what kind of a title is that? It's not really about a doctor, and who goes to see a movie about sleep? Uh, I also wonder if Ewan McGregor had something to do with it. Yeah, he's he doesn't open movies. This is a two-and-a-half movie, a two-and-a-half-hour movie about a uh, a drunk. Like an alcoholic who's not a lot of fun to hang out with for two and a half hours. So, me, I I do think that maybe <laughs> if they had done The Shining two straightforward, that yes, probably would have gotten a little more attention. But The Shining you know, colon Doctor Sleep. You know? Even even if it stuck with just the Doctor Sleep title, though, I thought they had done a pretty decent job marketing it. They released the trailers were good. They released some good trailers that I thought blended the new material with the familiar visuals of The Shining very well that I think got the point across. But, you know, we always have to reiterate the fact that we live in a bubble where we sit online all day and we look for this kind of stuff. You got to make sure it breaks out beyond that. And maybe that's where they kind of missed the mark. I just want to see Mark Romanek's Overlook Hotel prequel. Remember that? Yes, that would have been awesome. I want to see more of Mark Romanek in general. Yes. (laughs) 
Well, at this point, I will settle on just Dr. Sleep finding success somewhere because I think it deserves it. I'm yeah. a big fan of Flanagan. Can't wait to see everything he does after this. But I'm glad he got to uh, release certain scenes that are super important to him. All right. Before we move on to topic number three, which is a double dose of trailers, we've got some stuff to tell you about on the Collider Video YouTube channel. Brand new episode of Comic Book Shopping up and running right now with Watchmen's Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Here's a little preview. Welcome to Comic Book Shopping. We are here at Golden Apple Comics in the heart of Hollywood. I am here with Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. There we go. That's right, Black Manta and, spoilers for later, a character in Watchmen. They don't know what's coming, and then boom. And I'm learning right now, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. this is a lesson. It sounds like The Matrix. Yeah, I mean, it does. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Now, I haven't seen the last episode yet, uh -huh. so this whole thing has been like me dancing around knowing what happens, but will he spoil it in the episode? Probably not. But first, let's get some comics, man. Let's, let's do some do shopping. It. Let's do it. All right, who's ready to talk some trailers? Because we have two, we have two good ones today. Uh, we were lucky enough to get the Tenant one yesterday, and today we are talking about the Kevin Hart six-part documentary series on Netflix. Don't F this up. And then we also have the trailer for Downhill. Let's kick it off with uh, the Kevin Hart trailer first. What is your impression of this? Are you looking forward to getting a behind-the-scenes look at some of the stuff he's gone through? Yes, but a six-part documentary series feels like a lot. Like, I mean... There that much that's that interesting about Kevin Hart behind the scenes? I don't know. Um, the trailer is a good tease, though. The trailer I was expecting like a really like kind of jam packed two hour documentary or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. a, a six hour thing is is a lot to ask. But uh, I, I've always liked Kevin Hart. I, I like his candor. Um, I thought that the Oscar situation that he got put in. Having you know had been in some Twitter controversies of my own, I felt for the guy. Um, I think it would have been really cool to see him host the Oscars, and I'm sorry that that, that didn't happen for him. But I am looking forward to, to you know seeing the stuff about his marriage and the mm -hmm. cheating scandal. Like, let, let's see how raw this really gets. Yeah, you know, it's it's always tough to judge in certain situations because we're outsiders looking in. We never know what the nitty gritty of the truth of the matter is. But you know, it's an interesting thing to be getting this when, and I believe they point this out in the Collider.com article, and it definitely caught my eye as well. It. it it does feel like a Kevin Hart documentary, very much made by Kevin Hart, which right. is probably worth keeping in mind. But, you know, I, I am a big fan of his work and I'm curious to see it. And I found that trailer really engaging and it definitely made me want to learn more about his side of the story. Yeah. Do we know that they're hour long episodes, too? Because I was trying minutes, to find the timing better, information. That might be a better fit. Um, I, yeah. I don't think we have that just yet. We do know that it's hitting Netflix on December 20th, so. We'll be able to find out sooner rather than Very later. Very soon, yeah. So are you going to watch it on December 20th, 27th? Sure. Yeah. I loved Kevin Hart. I mean, he's great. Um, I mean, yeah, this isn't as cool as like dropping Black Mirror episodes at the, at the end of the year, but it's a nice little add-on to, you know, your Netflix subscription. Do you think they're going to drop something? Like I didn't that? even think about that. You never, you never I haven't know. even thought about that either, but now that you just brought it up, it's like they, with all the success they had with Bandersnatch and Bird Box last year, I mean, maybe they are banking on, on, on Six Underground this being is, the next Bird Box, I feel but like it's that's not. what they're doing. This yeah. is the brilliance of Netflix, is that they don't take a year to market their biggest things. They can just snap their fingers 
And, and out of nowhere, there could be a teaser for Black Mirror that says coming in two or three days. I like, would not mind if Black Mirror became a holiday tradition. It, it should have been. I don't, I don't know why they don't have anything ready right now. The Rock did something like this, didn't he? He, he did something like this series. Like a, no? his own docuseries? Yeah. No? Am I wrong about that? not entirely aware of that, I but just, it, I could have just missed it. I, 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 I don't know. Something's like ringing a bell. I don't know if Kevin Hart is the first A-lister to, to do this, but I feel like these guys, they just, like, they know that they can sell anything, right? <laughs> so it's like, well, if, if I just hire a camera crew hmm. to follow me around for six months, obviously, you know, some stuff's going to come up in that time. I have full creative control over the edit and everything, and then I can just go sell, you know, six hours of content to Netflix. Like, it's, it's just found money. For, for these guys, and it's so easy. Just because we were talking about this the other day and you weren't here, uh, what do you make of the current situation this year for an Oscar host? Because the rumor going around right now is they're considering going hostless. Are you in favor of that, or would you rather them go back to the original format? I mean, I, I like having a host, but it, I also didn't mind last year's show and moved quickly. They, they still had A-list celebrities come on. I think that's the plan this year, to still do like a really fun intro to get the show you know, started off on the right foot. Um, but, yeah, I, I just like the, the old school tradition of having a host. Mm-hmm. But I can see why they wouldn't, you know, need one after last year and the way it performed. You know, host bring, or not bring, host? bring Billy Crystal back. That's what I say. You oh. know, <laughs> do you think the host thing actually had anything to do with the ratings or was was the higher ratings last year just from curiosity, given the Kevin Hart situation and also the idea of them going hostless and people just wondering how that was going to turn out? I don't know. Were there like po- really popular movies last year? I can't even remember. I like, can tell you exactly why the ratings went up last year. Gaga. Okay. Yep. You think it's all Lady Gaga? <laughs> It was all Lady Gaga. Yeah, she deserves 100% of the credit for last year's ratings. I don't know about 100%, but I probably would give her a significant amount. Bring her back. We did have a whole bunch of movies last year that were nominated that were box office hits, so that's probably a factor, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see how that one shapes out. And for the record, the only thing I could do in a quick Google search is uh, track down something called The Rock, The Epic Journey of Dwayne Johnson. But I believe it came out a while ago, It's and it's oh, got okay. a, a, a wrestling picture of him. So I don't know if it's the same type of uh, docuseries that we're going to get with Kevin Hart. But let's shift over to Downhill right now, uh, the Downhill trailer with, uh, with uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. I think this looks good. It's got me hyped or even more hyped than I already was for Sundance 2020. What do you guys make of this trailer? Are you eager to see it? Well, you, have, you haven't seen Force Majeure. I have Yeah, okay. I know. And this was a reminder that I really need to see it. Yes, you do really need really to see good. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so I've heard. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It looks it looks like the Hollywood remake of Force Majeure, you know? It's, it's it does it is it the exact same, you know, tone and style or is there something to set it apart to say we need another rendition of this story? Yeah, the original was much more somber and a, a lot darker it looks okay. like than this, but yeah. I mean, it looks fine. Watch the original. I I, I, well, no, I, I definitely need to. Okay. I think the Will Ferrell, Julia Louis-Dreyfus pairing is great on paper. Like, that could be really good. Mm-hmm. I, I love seeing her on the big screen. Obviously, we don't see nearly enough of her. Mm-hmm. I loved enough said with the, her and Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. Um, Rat, the, you know, Jim Rash and Nat Faxon, I don't know if I love their brand of comedy. Uh, I didn't love The Way Way Back the way that a lot of people did. And they haven't made a movie since then. I think this is only their second film. They tried to do this movie, The Heart, uh, and, and it, it stalled a couple of times, although it is coming back around for next year. Um, I feel like Downhill, it took a long time in development. Like, th- this, 
I don't know. There's something that's giving me pause about this. Okay. That makes it, like Drew's sort of intimated, like uh, kind of the goofy American remake. I definitely need to go out of my way to watch Force Majeure before we go to Sundance and actually see this. I wonder if uh, that's going to influence opinions too. You know, the thing is like, which one did you see first? Because, I mean, we've had that conversation with Bombshell recently. I can't imagine that this holds up well against Force Majeure when that yeah. comparison gets made. Like that's I mean, the same be, guy's in it tough. though, right? The, yes. the big bearded guy. Yes. Yeah. He okay. was the other, he was one of the other couple in the original version. The, guy, right. the guy from Game of Thrones with the big beard. Yeah. It's, it's going on the list. I yes. feel like the, the end of year times is it's coming and going quickly, which means I got to move on from the 2019 movies and catch up on, on whatever, you know? whatever I want. You know, it's good to see Will Ferrell in a role like this. That isn't like a, a totally stupid, you know, <laughs> Um, <laughs> not a fan of Daddy's Home too, I guess. No, okay. I was a big Daddy's Home guy, but you're right. Daddy's Home too was no good. I mean, Will Ferrell's about to do a bunch of like Netflix movies, so this may be the last theatrical release we see from him in a while. Hmm, interesting. I have Holmes and Watson on the brain, so it's like no big deal. Uh, yeah, never skip that um, one too. I am curious, though, Jeff, because we have Sundance on the horizon. Looking forward to 2020. Uh, what are you most looking forward to? Is there anything that's caught your eye so far? Yes, there is. Uh, we got a trailer for it last week, actually. It is Promising Young Woman. Who stars uh, in that? The Carrie Mulligan movie. Oh, the Focus Features movie. I think movie. is going to be awesome. I know a little bit too mm-hmm. much about it, uh, so I, I have to watch what I say, but I think that's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to the Blumhouse movie, Run, Sweetheart, yes. Run. Uh, I'm looking forward to Zola, the stripper movie. Mm-hmm. And I was, I've know, got that on the list. Cover, covering that. And then uh, the, the big one, actually, for me is Lost Girls. Are you familiar with Lost no. Girls? Mm. Uh, this is the, I believe it's now Amy Ryan in the lead, and it's about the uh, the Craigslist uh, killer up at, uh, in upstate New York in, in Gilgo Beach. Um, it's like, yeah, just like a, a, a great true crime book. You said Amy Ryan? I think okay. it's her, yeah, uh, by Bob Bob Kolker. Definitely, guys, if you haven't, if you're looking for like a last-minute Christmas gift and, and you know someone who likes true crime, get them Robert Kolker's Lost Girls. I think this could, could be a real powerhouse movie. Mm. Okay, interesting. Maybe I'll I'll cue that up too. Oh, that has to be on your list. You'll love it. Yeah. All right. I, I think so. Uh, I think the one that I am most looking forward to is the uh, the new Ben Zeitlin movie because Beasts of uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild has been uh, so so. What? Are you really? Yeah. Oh, that one's like a very big question mark. Yeah, Why? that looks like because it's been a long. It's, I know. It's, it's taken a long time with it. I think it's going to be a problem. I think it's going to be a problem. Oh, I, I love how like you're already ruining my hopes and dreams and the festival still weeks away. That has a big away. question mark hanging over it. I yeah. mean, it looks like it's, it looks like the same there's, thing as, well, as the Southern Wild. There's tons of filmmakers out there who take a good deal of time to to work on another film after after their first it does, one. It does look very similar. It's a, okay. And, and I wonder how I the Peter re- Pan stuff is going to. I actually can't work. deny that it does look it does look very similar. But if that if that's the style of filmmaking that speaks to him and it's like a similar look and feel but with a different story right fine by me okay as long as it's super effective yeah i mean i'm curious i'm not i'm not as sort of down on it as Jeff is, but you know it could it could be great i'm not down i'm just like i'm surprised that that's what you're most oh, looking forward to because i, well, I think that, I've been, that is a big question i've right. been waiting for another movie from him for a while i mean that that was one of the i mean it was one of my favorite movies of that particular great. year, but mm-hmm. still, when I think of the most incredible first features I've ever seen, that is so high on the list. That that movie really got me. Yeah, the and movie I've, I think that you'll really like, actually, Perry. Um, okay, let's right hear it. I've seen it. 
but I'd always heard about the script, uh, was His House. It's like a, a horror movie uh, starring a young African couple and I think Matt Smith. Oh, I did. So I started going through the Midnighters yesterday because I'll hopefully be reviewing a bunch of them. I've always been told about to, to keep an eye on that one. Just a, um, a couple of random titles that I've been looking at mainly because we're, we're trying to make interviews happen for these. Uh, Wander Darkly uh, was on my was on my list. Uh, Bad Hair, which I think is on the Midnight yeah. lineup. Lena yeah, Waithe, that sounds great. Who, yeah. who I'm I'm a big big fan of. I've got my eye on Relic. I love uh, Emily Mortimer, so I'm excited to see her in something. What else we got here? We've got the Ren and Stimpy doc. Yep, happy, happy, joy. I'm so excited for that. I know, but that's one that I also wonder if how deep they're going to go into John Kay's kind of dalliances and Mm -hmm. proclivities, let's say, because, uh, you know, that's been a major area of contention online, especially for the last few years. But yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to Andy Samberg's Palm Springs, mm-hmm. uh, and then Miranda July's Cajillionaire. Oh yeah, Cajillionaire. Kaj- I have my eye on for. I believe it's the first weekend of the festival. The Nest with Carrie Coon is another another one that I'm yeah, looking out for. Um, what else do we got here? Black Bear with Aubrey Plaza is up there. No, God, my, the, the list is already getting out of control. I do this every single year. Where I'm like, pace yourself. You don't right. have to like put everything down in the first shot or otherwise you're going to have a harder time whittling it down. And I, well, I, I'm, I'm already going, stressing so about I, missing I, I'm things. I'm not stressing, but I am very excited about Timmy Failure, which we got, we saw a preview at D23 last year, which looks, re- it's Tom McCarthy who did mm. Spotlight, but it's like a weird little kid detective story. Were you not in that I panel? I was not, no. It looks really cute, and it's going to okay. be on Disney Plus, I think, in February, so you don't have to wait too, too long. And it's it. at Sundance? And it's premiering at Sundance, Sweet. yeah. all right. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, just making this yeah. list even longer <laughs> for me now. That's not a problem. Uh, so clearly we are going to Sundance in 2020, and we can't wait to bring you so much great coverage from the festival. It's going to be a good time. We're going to survive. It's going to be great. All right. Let's get into these uh, live chat questions here. We have a whole bunch. Kicking it off with good old J. Scott for real, who's writing, just caught the trailer for Come to Daddy, starring Elijah Wood, and noticed Matt Donato had a couple of pull quotes there. With that in mind, what has been your own pull quote use in a film's marketing campaign that you're most proud of? My pill? That's a fun one. Yeah, your own. I mean, I don't like the quote because it's like, the movie America needs to see right now. And I'm like, yeah, what do I know about what America needs? Um, but but I, I was very honored to be uh, quoted on Patriot's Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. that you know, movie be, being set in Boston uh, meant a lot to me. And I think it's excellent. I'm a big fan of that movie. I, I would be proud of that quote, too. I was quoted on a thing for Cabin in the Woods, which I really huh. liked because they, like they showed one. it to me really early and I was like, oh, I have to get behind this mm. in a big way. Not that it helped the box office at all, but, uh, you know, it, that, that's nice. Well, you know? I don't think either of our quotes put no. butts in seeds, Drew. <laughs> well, I guess uh, mine kind of did. I, this movie could, did okay. Um, mine was for the 2013 Evil Dead remake. I saw that at South by Southwest when it premiered and... Like, I, I loved it then. I still love it now. And it was my very first DVD box quote mm-hmm. where it was very clearly on the back of it to the point that my Nana owns it. And it sits, like, on a bookshelf. Like, you my Nana her, just right? has Evil Dead. Yeah, she's yeah. got her copy sitting on her bookshelf. And I have a framed one that uh, Fede and Jane Levy signed for me. And I don't know. I just I actually, I love that I thing. only saw that movie because of your quote. Are you 
Yeah, I know. That's what happened really? with everybody. Did, did, you, did you agree with her quote? Like, oh, shit. Penny I, mean, Emerald, I, I, I went to Best Buy for a little, the quotes on the back, and I just turned the boxes around to the back, and so many people were like, I saw it, and it was facing the wrong way, but I saw your name on it, so I bought it. What was your first film that you were quoted on? My first one ever might have been the Michael, actually, speaking of Emily Mortimer, her and Michael Caine in Harry Brown. Okay. Um, nice. I gave That's it a weird one. I gave it a four out of five stars, and the quote was just four stars. So like nobody really knows that it right. was four out of five. But I was still happy, and it was also in. Like, uh, we'll take it. It was in the New York Times, which cool. uh, which felt very cool to me. I, <laughs> I, I, I liked, like like uh, what you just said sounded like an indie movie to me. Speaking of Emily Mortimer, that sounds like an, oh, an indie movie. Yeah, it's just like now she's on my brain That'll today. Be at Sundance, twenty twenty one. Another one that I have framed that I absolutely adore is actually a, f- a full page in the uh, in the New York Times, and it's for yeah. You're gonna make a face at me. It's for Vampire Academy. Wow. That, Never saw it. That movie. I, no, no, no. I, I, I fully stand by that. I think that that, that movie. Yeah, that movie is an absolute blast if you haven't seen it. It's it's funny. Uh, Zoe Deutsch is incredible in it. And I think it just got caught up in a really crappy marketing campaign where it was it was one of those situations where the studio didn't even screen it for critics before. So everybody went into it with the assumption that this was going to be a steaming pile of crap. And then it wasn't. And then it got next to no reviews. It was, it was I mean, such let's a waste. Be honest, if Donato framed every uh, quote he had on some B-horror movie, it would well, be you, wallpaper. It would well, be wallpaper. Know, late phase, this is a howling good time. It's a howling good time. That, one, that one's going what down in sure? the record books. I don't, I don't remember. I remember that I, I gave a really like exuberant quote for Dread that was like, it'll that's blow you one. through yeah, the back of the theater or something like that. You know, if you're not on the edge of your seat, you'll be blown away or something like that. And I remember that being very... Donato-esque, um, you know, if you will. <laughs> Mine was uh, The Groomsman, the Ed Burns, like, 2006 comedy or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really, right. I'm, a, Ed Burns. I'm a big Ed Burns yeah. guy. <laughs> try, there was, an everyman like us. <laughs> there was something recently that I caught that had a, a... Oh, it was The Wind. Did you ever see The Wind? Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> it's an atmospheric horror movie. I thought it was great. Listen, I, had it been set in Boston... Oh, that, you know that's I mean? the key. That's the key. It's how very many, windy there. How many horror movies are set in Boston? There should be more. Yeah. All right. If The Exorcist had been set in Boston instead of DC, then it would have gotten a, a Jeff Snyder quote. Fans, you know, coming out. <laughs> All right, the let's go down the, the list here. Uh, let's go for oh. Dorian Park sent in this question. Why is Dorian the best? Very clever. That that. Is not getting into Dorian the is the best. Dorian's not the best because he's not in the studio today. Dorian's where? Are, where are you, Dorian? Come hang with us. Come party with us. No, he, he can, and he does a great job. Um, all right, let's go for this one from the Geeky Gator, who's writing. The 2000s decade seemed to be dominated by fantasy films with Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Pirates. Uh, the 2010s were clearly dominated by superhero movies. What genre do you think will dominate the 2020s decade? Will it continue to be superheroes? Courtroom dramas, baby. They're coming back. <laughs> In a big way. My, big my, way. Actually, maybe because my big theory with The Conjuring 3 is that I want it to be the reverse where the beginning parts are the exorcisms and then the end part is the courtroom drama. 
So maybe you're on to something. It's not going to happen. That one? Like the devil, um, the, devil the devil made me do it. The and it's about made- the like the first case in history where, you know, someone was on trial for murder and claimed that they were possessed. Oh, interesting. Were, yeah. No, it, it's a really interesting idea. But I think it would also be a really interesting approach to truly turn the genre on its head and format the film that way. But it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but that would give some uh, some weight to your courtroom drama idea. Trying to actually think of the answer for this. Yeah, I don't know what like genre seems to be like popping off. All I can really think of right now and trying to predict are the things that are gonna the things that are starting to fizzle out now that we're not gonna fully feel the repercussions of until like twenty twenty two. What's fizzling out? Well, like we were talking about eighties nostalgia. And I bet you anything, a whole bunch of studios already have nostalgia-based pieces in going into production, set for release in 2020 and beyond. You never know what can happen with the superhero genre. I know it's a cliche to talk about superhero fatigue, but eventually, you know, they got to pivot in some sense. That's another thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does not look like we're going to see another Star Wars movie in the very near future. So that's kind of out of the way. I mean, maybe... Maybe the 2020s is going to be dominated by Avatar. Who knows? Because I was reading a, a headline to a story. I believe it's actually on .com where it's, you know, uh, Avatar was the highest earner that nobody ever talks about, yeah. which I do think is very true. And I've been an Avatar naysayer for a while. But who knows? Maybe when that first movie comes back, it could, it could you know, strike gold again. Sivako, rise to the challenge. Oh, that's um, from Avatar. I, I've just learned never to bet against James Cameron. Unobtainium. So yeah. when Cameron was saying, I think I read it this morning, that like he was very confident Avatar 2 would outgross Endgame. Mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, that's a crazy thing to say, but he's James Cameron, so I'm inclined to believe him. Uh, I, will, I will say, though, the answer is um, music. So whether it's music biopics, as we've started mm-hmm. to see at the end of this decade with Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman, or uh, just musicals. Like, I'm very curious to see how Cats performs after, like, Greatest Showman. Even Les Mis, uh, the musical, did really well. We're going to have In the Heights coming. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a Wicked movie. We're, go- we're getting West Side Story. They're going to do Guys and Dolls. Like, this could be a big decade for, for music biopics and, and musicals. Two questions for you. You seem very confident in that Wicked movie. Yeah, I think it'll happen, especially, I think it got a tax credit. I've been waiting um, for a very, very long Universal time. is very bullish about Wicked. Yeah, yeah. Like, they've been bullish about it for how many years, right. though? Well, here's, a, like a here's an interesting thing, too, is that should Disney regain the rights to the superheroes in Florida, the Marvel Land at Universal Studios in Orlando would be rethemed to Wicked. Wait, what? There's, there's been a plan in place for years. So should the movie come out and should Disney get those rights back, they're going to pull the, the trigger on that. I can explain you're, to you how this will work well, later. You're yeah. serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As much the as Hulk I, becomes the, the witch world. coaster. Yeah. As much as I love Wicked, I'm not sure if that's the best idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that happening. Listen, my, in for a penny, in for a pound with the Wicked. <laughs> my other question is, because I can't help myself now, have you seen Cats? No. I'm have not going to either. Like, I, I would have gone to that, you know, the screening that everybody went to. Instead, I saw Star Wars that night. But after the reviews and everything, I, I think I'm good. You don't even want the experience of seeing something like that with a theater full of people? No. I'm not paying $18 to, to go see a movie that I know is going to be bad. 
There, I don't I, care about the experience. Okay. That's a side okay. of realness right there. I, I, don't go, I don't go for experiences. I go for a story. Tell see, me a good story. If there's no good story, I'm not there. No, yeah. If that's your if that's your stance, you do not go to see cats. But that's that's been the challenge of reviewing a movie like that. Is like I can't tell you to go see a movie if that's your priorities when you go to see one. But as someone who Should greatly valued that experience and will never forget it. I don't know. There was something fun about that. Yeah, I feel like I've missed the window, though. Like, I didn't go see it for free, and now I'm just going to, you know. Yeah. I am curious as, about the animation, because it is a, that's another, like, Lion King type thing, where it's like, this is an animated movie. No one's really talking about it as such. NPC, the same company that did Lion King, did mm. the effects. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting quagmire. You saw it with a room full of our friends and colleagues, though, right? No, I think it was it was like a screening that oh, was, was open. It was open up to more people because too. I'm starting to see reports that people are like giving this movie a standing ovation. I don't think I'd want to well, see it with an audience la- that was super into cats. The last the last <laughs> tweet that I saw that used the term standing ovation said it was a, like you know a, like poking fun at the movie standing oh, ovation. Like it a, wasn't a genuine like cheeky. this like this movie was great. It. I think they had a batshit crazy time. Did you hear that they sh- when they showed it for the junket, it was only 75% finished? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did hear yeah. about that. I think they were they were just finishing the movie like the same very, the very premiere. close yeah. to the release. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crazy. Uh-huh. Guys, if you see Cats, I need to know what you think. These guys yeah. haven't seen it. I need to know. All right, let's take one more question before we say goodbye. This one comes from... Uh, S.N. Don L.B. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, What recently released film do you feel has been underappreciated so far? For me, it's the new Sterling K. Brown and Lucas Hedges movie, Waves. Loved Waves. Waves is great. Waves is great. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Harrison Jr. also in that movie. I am a big fan of his. He is great in Waves. Yes. Other than that... Recently? Recently. The Mr. Rogers movie nobody's really talking about. I was surprised how quickly that kind of went away. Yeah. Queen Queen and Slim did pop a little bit. It's having uh, having a nice run at the box office. But yeah, I would would probably urge more people to see that than already did. Here's the movie nobody's talking about, okay? Which is crazy to me because it's the front runner for a major award. Judy. Nobody is talking about this movie. And she's... Maybe supposed to win Best Actress. I feel like that's that story, the Oscar story for Judy, is already done. It's like it came out, everyone's in agreement. Yep, she's the front runner. Now we can move on. I mean, it feels like the same thing as Glenn Close with the wife. It's like all we ever talked about is except I thought Judy was a good movie, and I well, didn't think the wife. Was quality good movie. of the movie, uh, you know. Besides the point, I think just the narratives are kind of the same. It's like it they came, it came out, it came out. They wrote it in stone. That was it. Everyone moved on with their lives, and it was mm-hmm. just a thing through to awards night. Well, to to just point to like I think this this performance is actually gaining some steam, but I don't hear anybody talking about it, which is Pain and Glory, the new Almodovar, yeah. which is an amazing movie, and Banderas is incredible, and it's still playing. I think it's at the Sunset Five here, and you know, so it's still out there. Uh, you've got to see it. It is absolutely wonderful. I'm trying to think of something that came out recently that maybe should be getting awards love that's not, but most of those Doctor things- Sleep. Oh, yeah, of course. Most of those movies came out earlier in the year that I would like to push a little more. So uh, the lighthouse kind of fizzled out, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. 
that did get its uh yeah why its i don't, I don't understand why a uh, black and white yeah. period movie about two weirdos in a lighthouse oh, would do i it mean i love the movie but i understand why it did not i didn't love the movie but i do greatly admire the movie and i admire robert eggers for just making the movie he really wanted to make mm-hmm. with a style that i have not seen recently for sure so i think if you just want to see a movie with great craftsmanship whether that story is for you or not there's definitely worth it's yeah it's going to be on digital soon i just got yeah. a blu-ray in the mail how is there not a tongue in cheek Oscar campaign for Matthew McConaughey and the Beach Bum. I still have to watch the Beach Bum. It was Bum. in her uh, neon yeah, awards. Black. I, w- yeah. I was looking at that, and I, I was thinking, you know, how have I not seen? Because I missed it at uh, I missed it at South by, and I was all sad about it. But now, now it's time. It's it's a mess. I, I didn't care for it at all. But it seems like one of those performances, a lot like James Franco and mm-hmm. Harmony's other movies, mm-hmm. Spring Breakers, where it's like you could rally the troops and get some blogger support for that performance. That that, uh, that neon packet also had Monos in it, which I wouldn't mind seeing get you know a little more award season buzz. We actually reviewed it on Movie Talk a couple months back, and it's it's excellent. It's excellent. Not not a fan. No. I didn't, oh, love, wow. I didn't love Monos. I really wanted to. I, okay, I, I, all right. I You're entitled to your opinion. But the pa- parasite was great. Not pa- yeah, wait, yeah. not parasite. The platform. Oh. The platform. We don't know the plat- coming soon. We don't know the platform until 2020. Coming though. soon. I was all excited. What, to- is the, what is the platform? It's incredible. Can you explain the concept? Yes, this, Drew. This, this, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a one Spanish of, horror it's movie. It's one of the most okay. genius high it's concept brilliant. horror movies. It's just set in like this gigantic tower, uh-huh. and like you know, uh, the people on top get to eat first, and then like the tray goes down and down and down. So by the time it gets to the bottom, there's no food left, and so it, every month, like you wake up on a, on a new level. So it's like, are you going to starve that month, or are you going to eat like the rich? And it, and it's all about like, can can they make it so that the tray gets down to the bottom and there's still food on it, so that everyone can enjoy, or will the people on top always help themselves to more food than they really need? Oh wow! When is this coming? Who's putting it out? Uh, Netflix. Netflix. Oh okay. It's amazing. Okay. Oh, wow. I can't I wait. That we had images handy of that. Good job, Adam. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> All right. Let's close it out on a great recommendation for 2020. The platform will keep you updated on when that actually gets a release date over on Netflix. Drew, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Also to Gatsby. Thank you for being our audience today. Hey, I don't know if buddy. you saw him walking around the set at all, but we have an adorable puppy in here today. Hey. Adam in the booth. Dorian in the live chat. Dorian, we love you so much. Thank you guys so much for your hard work. Right now, you're going to like and share this video, and then you're going to go on over to Collider Live because they have a brand new episode kicking off at 10 a.m. PT. I might be walking over there myself now, but until Monday, we have one more live episode for you Monday morning, so tune in for that. Enjoy Mailbag this weekend, and have a great time. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. 
It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 